The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's buzz, well, I'm looking into the music archives and I came up with one that I think will give you a little insight into our topic. Remember the electric slide? No, I'm not going to sing it. No, you don't have to get up and dance it, but let's talk. We have a newsflash for utilities. You can no longer be profitable if you're still using the traditional Typical one-sided business model where you send the power to the customers. Hello, does that sound familiar? Well, enter a new word perhaps for you. It starts with a P and it's prosumer. Okay, let's talk about the difference. Well, the consumer, customer you're accustomed to, is utility dependent. And yes, they generate revenues for you. The prosumer and the utility are interdependent. Think about this, a two-way street. The utility needs the prosumer to commit to reduce electric use or even supply it back to the grid at specified times. And the prosumer still needs the kilowatts from the utility and gets a new omni-channel experience. If this is confusing or it sounds exciting, but what can I tell you? You're still not so sure about it and you don't really know the difference. We have a panel of three experts. I'm welcoming them back whenever we talk utilities. We're going to be talking to Robert Rob. Tila, T-I-T-H-I-E-L-E from Open Text, Jackie, Jacqueline Robinson at DTE Energy, and of course, James McClelland at SAP Utilities. That's my panel today. We did part one of a similar topic back in March on our series called Digital Industries Changing the Game. We did part two with this esteemed panel on June 1st here on Coffee Break, and they're back for part three. And our topic today is officially New Energy Era Prosumers, the Utility Customer Partnerships. Very exciting topic. Even if you're not in the utilities industry, you're a customer. Maybe you want to be a prosumer. So this topic applies to everyone. Let me welcome first up on the panel, Rob Tila, Senior Director at Open Text, in charge of Open Text portfolio of SAP Solutions in the Americas since 2014. And Rob has sent us a quote from Brian Chesky of Airbnb. Uh, if you want to know how, how everybody is doing in different industries, well, Brian Chesky is all of 35 years old, and he is already in that elite group of people who 
have made the Forbes list of America's richest entrepreneurs under 40, recognized on Time's 100 Most Influential People for 2015, and in May 2015 last year, President Obama named him an ambassador of global entrepreneurship. This is a kid who rented out his apartment and had the idea to partner up with a couple of other guys and go into the uh, the hospitality exchange service known as Airbnb. Here is the quote that Rob has selected. Quote, we used to live in a world where there are people, private citizens, a world where there are businesses, and now a world where people can become businesses in 60 seconds. Wow. Rob Tila, welcome back. How are you, Rob? I'm doing great. It's so good to be back. I can't believe this is the third episode of our show. There's so much to discuss. There absolutely is, and I'm delighted to have you. My goodness, did you know all of this about Brian Chesky? He was just a kid who who wanted to rent out his apartment because he couldn't pay the rent just a couple of years ago, and now he's in that financial elite. Is this a shock to anybody, or is this is this the way the world is going, Rob? Well, this is the way the, the, way the world is going, uh, and he's not the only one. Just think about uh, Lyft or Uber. Um, it, it's really a general trend uh, that we're seeing right now where uh, we have uh, people, private citizens, uh, turning into entrepreneurs and offering assets or surplus capacity or anything that they have uh, to other people and uh, op- open up a business. And I thought um, it, it's, it's good when you talk about the shift from a consumer to a prosumer, not to just focus on... Uh, solar panels on a roof and uh, mm-hmm. the direct uh, sort of relationship with the utility, but but also see this bigger trend um, that that is really in in, in customers' mindsets and in this whole sharing economy and, th- and this this uh, notion of of sharing assets, opening up a business, selling something to other people, being being an entrepreneur is really a general trend that goes across all industries and some. Some estimates uh, estimate that this this should be something like a twenty six billion dollar economy. So it's 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 a it's definitely here to stay. Definitely is, and uh, yes, the difference between prosumer and consumer, and and I love the quote because. It, Let's let's talk. Go back just for a second before I bring Jackie Robinson on. Rob, when we think about this shift of the partnership, the interdependence, which we're going to talk about a lot more during the next hour with you and Jackie and James McClellan, when we talk about that, so the person who has something that they want to a either make money on or share the opportunity with somebody else to share what their asset is. That that's really how it's going in utilities. Are people aware of this, Rob? Do people know that they can become a utility prosumer or is this breaking news for everybody? Well, it really depends on the different markets. So if you go to um, California, for example, you see a lot of solar panels. There's a big push, a lot of incentives, a lot of awareness. Um, I'm living in Massachusetts, and um, I, I'm seeing a little bit fewer solar panels. But now we have a lot of new entrants in the market. So we see the, the solar cities of this world offering leasing models. We see companies, uh, energy companies like Energy entering that market and really uh, marketing um, to consumers and educate them about the possibilities they have, not only to save on their electricity bill, but 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 actually, you know, um, uh, having having a model that that goes way beyond 
um, just sort of uh, the immediate generation part. So um, we also see new players coming up who help create this market, um, companies that help trade surplus energy from uh, private prosumers. So, um, and, and those new companies help generate a market, make a market. Um, I see much more buzz and much more talk um, also in, in my area uh, about that. And a lot of companies are actually considering uh, putting solar panels, solar panels up their roof because it just makes sense. It's, it's uh, you know, you save money, you do something good for the environment, and, uh, and there are many models to make it affordable, um, cheap loans, um, um, subsidized by the state, uh, leasing models, financing models, etc., uh, that make it really uh, almost a no-brainer um, to enter this type of model. Thank you very much, Rob. Good introduction to our topic, and thank you for indulging my questions. And now let's invite Jackie Robinson on. Jackie is coming back also, and Jackie has sent me an interesting quote from Thomas Alva Edison. But first, let me tell you, Jackie is the training lead for DTE Energy's billing system replacement project, and we'll catch up with her in a minute and find out how that's going. But she's quoting Thomas Alva Edison today, 1847-1931. You all know Edison was an American inventor and businessman, but you might not know the extent of his inventions. And since we're talking about being inventive with the utility and consumer slash prosumer customer relationship, let's talk about it. Edison developed many many devices that greatly influenced all of our lives, including the phonograph. Anybody remember that? How about the motion picture camera? Uh huh. You may use your phone up for taking pictures and videos, but it started somewhere else. And the long-lasting practical electric light bulb. He was called the Wizard of Menlo Park, one of the first inventors to apply the principles of mass production and large-scale teamwork to the process of inventors. And I don't know if anybody knows it, but Edison held 1,093 U.S. patents to his name, as well as additional patents in the U.K., France, and Germany. Oh, look him up. He's just a fascinating guy, and he's been described as America's greatest inventor. Here is the quote, wonderful quote Jackie has selected from Mr. Edison, restlessness and discontent are the first necessities of progress. Wonderful quote. Jackie, welcome back. How have you been? Oh, busy, busy. <laughs> I bet. I bet. How's the billing system, system replacement project going? Do you have a new title or a new project since we spoke last? No. I, in fact, our, um, our project doesn't go live until April. But right now, for me, it's, um, it's, I am hitting my most important milestone. So I'm in the middle of a uh, train-the-trainer program where I've got to get 50 trainers ready to train um, 1,800 people here at DTE on how to use the new system. So we wow. are in the middle of that training program, and boy, the first couple of weeks there were there was restlessness and discontent. <laughs> so that that was it. that was a brilliant. I won't call it a deflection. That was a brilliant segue, Jackie. I admire that. That was beautifully done. Very very sleek. So tell me something. We're talking about prosumer consumer energy going out of the grid to the customer at their home or their place of business, and now we're talking about sending it back the other way. What's your position on consumer, prosumer, and utilities. And what would Edison say? Would he be, yeah, it's about time? Or would he say, well, I don't know. What would he say? Oh, I absolutely think he would embrace it and just all the different new technologies that are developing right now. And I really agree with a lot of what Rob said as far as where the maturity of it is right now. 
And I think, um, I don't think we're fully there. I don't think we're to the restlessness and discontent point yet, but I can see it coming. And I think a lot of utilities can see it coming. And I think a lot of consumers can, are the more futuristic ones, can see that it's just a matter of time before we turn fully into a more of an integrated supply chain as opposed to just the utilities providing the power. You know, when I was doing some research, I was looking at more of the um, different areas like Europe and uh, Australia, different areas where it's really gone much farther already where, oh gosh, you know, just the embracing solar and having it in, in uh, many, many different um, households or businesses now. So I don't see, I'm in Michigan, uh, my utility has actually done a lot of programs. We've been getting some um, encouragement from our government here to mm-hmm. ensure that a lot of our uh, utility load is coming from renewable resources. So we're, we are, as a utility, starting to move in that direction. Not as many consumers yet, but like I said, you can just see that it's kind of out there and coming. Interesting. I, I live in a what we'll call a multifamily dwelling, a, a co-op, uh, an apartment building uh, here on the North Shore of Long Island. And whenever something like this comes up, Jackie, in conversation, whether I go to a street fair and there's somebody from a utility uh, saying, you know, you can lower your utility bills or, you know, they often take tables for public information at events. I've, I've seen this in many different places. And I always say, well, my board of directors makes these decisions and the managing company decides what we should do. Is this something that for, for so many people who live in multifamily dwellings where they don't make that direct energy decision, is this something where there needs to be a groundswell of awareness and thought leadership to say to people, yeah, this would be good for you and the community in which you live, and we want you to speak up and make sure it happens. Any thoughts on that, Jackie? Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. I think in cases like that, there's a little bit even more of a barrier to entry for those type of pe- mm-hmm. people like yourself that are living in, in places like that where there's even more people to convince. I think where we're going to um, – where we're going to have leaders are the people – I live in um, uh, a city nearby – my favorite cities is Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mm-hmm. One of those typical green cities where you know people there will definitely start to embrace um, the green evolution and being more of a, consu- a prosumer, providing and generating their own energy. So I think we're going to have groundswells in places like that, and even in places like that, you might find where a multi. Uh, my, how did you describe it? Multi-family, multi-family dwelling. Multi-family dwelling, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, that could definitely, you know, because there's a lot of student housing there. So that could definitely be a place where there's a groundswell of people who are more apt to adopt that type of change. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It just, just dawned on me that we're talking about a partnership, customer-consumer-utility-slash-prosumer-utility, and Somebody has to make a decision on both sides, one to offer the opportunity, the other to accept it. So if you have people who are not empowered to accept it for their dwelling or their place of business, that, that opens up another issue. Thank you very much, Jackie. Welcome back. And now, uh, and Jackie, thanks for taking time. I know if you're in the middle of training 50 trainers to train 1800, you are one busy person, <laughs> one busy person out of thousands. So thank you. I can't say we'll hurry up and let you go. The show's an hour. So thanks for, thanks for committing. Absolutely. You're 
you're you're staying. And now let's welcome the person, the glue who put this all together. It's James McClellan, my colleague at SAP. He's Senior Global Director of SAP Utilities and Energy Industry Marketing. Pleasure to have him back. And James has brought us a quote from Napoleon Bonaparte, who lived from 1769 to 1821, in case anybody didn't study global European, we used to call it European history, not global history. He is considered one of the greatest commanders in history. Uh, Napoleon's wars and campaigns are studied still at military schools worldwide. He also remains one of the most celebrated and controversial political figures in human history. And I'm not going to say a word about the current U.S. election cycle because I think Napoleon's going to have to move over and give that accolade to somebody else, but I won't say anything. So James McClellan sent us this quote from Napoleon, never interrupt your enemy when he is making a mistake. Oh, James, be still my heart. What a great quote. How have you been, James McClellan? We have been keeping well, Bonnie. How about yourself? I'm fine. I, can I break the news? Can I tell people what we're going to do next year, or do you want me to keep it quiet now that I've now that I've said almost something? We'll, we'll May I? Under wraps, and then we'll make an announcement later in the year. All right, we'll make an announcement later in the year. James and I are working on a project together, so very exciting. James Napoleon Bonaparte. Do you study war history? How did you come across this quote? Uh, I guess I got this when I was growing up playing sports. That any time that you came. A- across a major challenge that you always try and make it into an opportunity for yourself. So take, take a negative and make it into a positive. Uh, so this was one of the quotes that one of my football coaches used to uh, uh, install upon us during tough times in games. So I thought taking a look at the way that the industry is disrupting and the challenges utilities are seeing to survive or be profitable in the future, how can you take that challenge and make it into an opportunity for themselves. So let's go back to the specific quote, making a mistake. Is who would is somebody going to say, or is anybody saying in, in government or in industry that utilities opening that door to that interdependency with their customers slash prosumers is a mistake? Is anybody challenging that right now? Well, I think when utilities are taking a look at each other and seeing what models they're putting in place mm. and which ones work and which ones don't, and the ones that aren't working, then that's, creates the opportunity for me to be able to sweep in and either gather more customers or be able to sell more products. So uh, this is where I'm taking a look that if the industry is not careful, uh, you know, and if you are making a mistake, there's going to be people right in behind your heels, chomping at your heels to take away your consumer base and your revenue stalls. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So that's a double disruption. One is in how the industry does business, and the other is in what you count on as your customer stream or your customer base or your prospects coming down the pike. Very interesting. Thank you, James, and welcome back. And now let's circle back to Mr. Rob Tila. Rob, where are you calling from, if I may ask? And either what's in your cup right now while you're on the show, because this is Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio, or what are you planning to drink later today? Rob? Yeah, so <laughs> to answer your question, I have actually two drinks in front of me. One is a freshly ground coffee made from Italian espresso beans. And mm. then I followed the Italian um, tradition here, and I have a water alongside with it. So um, one, one, I guess, is dehydrating a little bit, and the other one is hydrating. So hopefully together that will work. And I'm I'm calling from... Massachusetts, we have a beautiful fall, 
uh, not very Italian in terms of uh, the temperatures you would usually associate with Italy. So we're in the 40s right now, but we have some really nice blue sky and we have a really nice foliage. Yes, and we are, I'm here on Long Island in New York on the north shore of Long Island, Nassau County, and the foliage is just starting to turn. And I haven't poked my nose out yet, but I have a feeling we're also in the 40s and it's a gorgeous sunny day with blue skies. So we're in the middle of a beautiful, what we hope will continue to be a beautiful fall. Jackie Robinson, where are you and what are you drinking today? I'm in the fabulous city of Detroit. Uh, we have a great day, but we are at peak foliage in the area, so it's uh, actually quite nice. I'm actually drinking water, so it's very boring, but I will tell you instead a different different thing that I have been experimenting lately. I love a great, I don't drink mixed drinks much, but I do love a great Cosmopolitan. And lately mm. I've been so disappointed in the ones that I get at bars or restaurants, so I've been experimenting making them at home myself. And you have project. a secret, you have a tip for the great uh, Jackie Robinson, boy, the Jackie Robinson Cosmo. That's an interesting <laughs> title for a cocktail. Anything you've discovered that you want to share a recipe with our listeners? Well, I just think stay, um, stay uh, a little heavier on the vodka and a little lighter on the triple sec and the other things that go in there. <laughs> ah, okay. Any preference for a brand of vodka? Are you into Tito? Are you into something else? Well, we have um, Valentine Vodka is a vodka that's uh, distilled or created in the Detroit area. So I do love that one. And if I can't find that one, Grey Goose is wonderful. Aha. Okay. I have a friend who drinks, uh, he likes vodka martinis, but he's been experimenting with different kinds of vodkas. And I know uh, triple sec comes into the equation. I think people have been serving a lot of sangria where we go for dinner recently. I'm not sure why, but yes, that I'm not much of a drinker. I'm, I'm a beer or wine person, but what can I tell you? Thank you, Jackie. Interesting. Mm-hmm. James, what are you drinking? Where are you calling from today? I am calling in from Fort Worth, Texas today, so mm. sorry to hear about your 40s. It's 82 here today. <laughs> Rub it in. <laughs> so, uh, but unfortunately, uh, as one who grew up in the north, up in Canada, we don't get to see the same foliage down here as what we used to uh, up north. So it's, you go from green to brown, back to green. So. Okay, not so bad. And what's in your cup today? Well... Since we're talking alcohol, I'll give my shout-out to one of my favorite Sauvignon Blancs, Cloudy Bay, but it's a bit too early for me to be having any of that. So as a, as a Canadian and Irish boy, I'm, I'm drinking my cup of tea, and it's just a standard little bit of Lipton's. Okay, nothing wrong with a standard bit of Lipton's. We had a gentleman on one of my shows earlier this week, James, who was a Brit, and he said he d- detested tea. His wife was a tea drink. He couldn't stand the sight of it. He couldn't stand the sight or the even the scent of any kind of tea. I re- can't remember what he said he was drinking, but that certainly defies convention, doesn't it? So you're a Lipton person. Do you put anything in it, and how many times do you dunk the tea bag? I'm just curious. Uh, 30 seconds is my ultimate for the for the soaking of the tea, but just listening to the gentleman from Britain not liking tea, I guess they would have asked him to Brexit, so... Uh. 
Oh, touche, touche. And be still my heart. James knows that Jackie and Rob, they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. It was just a cool, clear mug with a cool cup of cool water. And I have an orange straw in honor of, yes, I do sip my water with a straw, an orange straw in honor of the turning of the leaves. Right now, I'm looking out the window of my office, mostly green, beautiful, beautiful, tall, very, very old trees, a hundred, a couple of hundred feet tall from what I can tell. But only one has really turned, and it's a bright gold, orange, and beautiful. But farther down the road, I saw the other day the leaves are starting to turn. So I can't wait to see this. I'll take some pictures. Oh, this is radio. What can I say? We're talking today about something maybe not that new. We'll find out when we come back in the utility industry. Utility customer partnerships, the new energy era prosumer. And I see a lot of political ads. We're not getting in politics, but a lot of ads where people here on US TV are saying, I'm an energy consumer. I'm an energy voter. Maybe my panelists can help me figure out what that means later on. We're talking about changing the business model for utilities where they're just not sending specifically the kilowatts out from the grid to the consumer, but the consumer may be sending some energy back or agreeing to down use their, lower their use at certain peak times to help out the utility. Sounds like a marriage made in heaven. We'll find out a lot more when we come back. Speaking today with Rob Tila at Open Text with Jackie Robinson at DTE Energy and James McClelland at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and I plan to be after the break, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Michael out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Indeed, here we are, and it's time for our roundtable. I'm speaking today with Rob Tila, Jackie Robinson, and James McClelland. And let's see, Rob Tila is going to start the roundtable with me. We've already talked in, in uh, extensively about the sharing economy when we opened up with the quote from one of the founders of Airbnb, Brian Chesky. So now we're going to look at the idea of collaborative consumption, which is what we've been talking about, the new concept of consumer 
utility or utility-consumer partnerships and sending energy back and forth or conserving it and sending it back. So I'm just going to say uh, here, talking about collaborative consumption, Rob says in his notes, owners make money from underutilized, underused assets. Why don't you expand this for us, Rob, please? Yes, uh, I think it's really uh, around an outside-in approach where um, we need, as a utility company, we need to understand what is really driving customers and, and how we, can we embrace this and build a business model around it. So I think the challenge is not so much around how do we de- do net metering and, uh, I mean, all these infrastructural and, and process-oriented challenges need to be addressed, but it's really around uh, digital transformation and, and how do we make this work. Uh, Brian Solis uh, did an interesting research. Uh, it, w- it was called around. It was called uh, 2016 State of Digital Transformation, and uh, there was an interesting data point in there. So, 55% of those responsible for digital transformation cite evolving customer behaviors and preferences as the primary catalyst for change. But the interesting thing is the number one challenge facing executives at 71% is understanding behavior or impact of the new customer. And, and I brought up the sharing economy because uh, this is really th- this desire of customers to build something and, 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 and give back or have a certain motivation to be green, uh, to contribute or to be independent, um, self, more self-sufficient is something that uh, we need to understand as as core drivers and then build business models around it. So how, as a utility company, can we provide uh, services, uh, maybe connect customers um, among each other, build communities, and, and be part of this as opposed to seeing it just as a declining revenue stream from a traditional model and kind of trying to climb onto it and, and try to defend it. Uh, and, and I really liked James' quote around, uh, not interrupting someone who's making a mistake, uh, that actually would be a huge mistake. Think about the Uber trend and, and traditional taxi companies who are just trying to defend and shoot at Uber as opposed to innovating and, and really understanding that the driver is not really Uber. It's really the customer who's looking for convenience, who's looking for mm-hmm. um, uh, more transparency, um, these, these great apps uh, that they could use. And, and, and really a new model that is satisfying customers. That's what it's all about. Very, very interesting. So don't don't blame the, the catalyst or the one who discovered what the customer really wants. Talk about the people who are the ones in demand who are paying those freight, paying that fare, paying those bills. Jackie Robinson, thoughts on what Rob just shared? Yeah. So one of the things that uh, Rob talked about when you're talking about Uber or some of the other, even Airbnb, um, some of the rise of those businesses came from their apps. So Uber is a fantastic application to use. Airbnb, really great application. And I guess where I kind of wanted to take the conversation a little bit is that um, these are businesses that started with great technology. When you look at the utility industry, we're not quite there yet. And so that's so why I wanted to just talk a little bit about we're – we're just getting good at relating to consumers their consumption information right now. And our systems are all designed to work one way. So we're, we're good at like sending the power out and building the power for that way. But to accomplish 
where we're going with prosumers, we need to start to do a switch to figure out how to update and change and expand our system so that we can do net metering or, you know, how do we buy power back? And some companies, in fact, I had a peer utility I went to visit um, on the East Coast, and I noticed I sat behind somebody who was actually um, processing a lot of the um, the paperwork and the the, uh, the information on on consumers that were actually you know producing power and how did that net out? So the system they had it was SAP was able to actually mm-hmm. do it, but there was still a bunch of paperwork that was kind of in that person's hands. And so as and that's kind of why I went with my quote too. We're going to hit a period where as we have more and more prosumers, the utility industry is going to have to do kind of a massive overhaul of some of their systems in order to accommodate this. So not only, you know, our systems, our billing systems, our back ends, but even, you know, how do we present to customers not just now their consumption, but also what they've been producing and what are the effects. So I see kind of a big period of restlessness and disconnect that will affect utilities when this starts to gain momentum. Very interesting. Good, great perspective. James McClellan, thoughts on what Rob introduced and Jackie added, please. Yeah, I, I think uh, when we take a look at the changes that are coming, a lot of them are being driven by the next generation that's coming up. Uh, you know, we, we talk about the connected economy, and this is the connected generation. You know, so our generation is leveraging off of what the next generation is providing, the what-ifs and why-nots. Uh, so... Uh, Jack is absolutely right. A lot of this is all going to be mobile-driven. Today, I think that the average person uses 5% of the capabilities of their mobile device um, to be able to drive everything off of mobile uh, using, you know, we have an Apple-SAP partnership uh, that you can develop any sort of app on iOS. Why not? Uh, And this is what the next generation is looking to do. Uh, As far as power generation goes and the prosumer-consumer, Utilities are taking a look at that initially as a loss of revenue, but it's a business opportunity for them because if they can start getting this distributed energy and help manage it for those uh, pocket companies that uh, are putting together, whether it's communities, whether it's on my, my solar panels on my house, if they can manage that flow of electricity, demand for electricity, they're projecting, is going to increase by 30% by the year 2020. This will allow uh, power companies to avoid from building out new assets, new power plants, and leverage off of what their customers are putting together. So uh, a great opportunity for partnership, but if they don't do it, uh, they're going to be in an awful lot of trouble, and somebody else is going to do it. Thank you, James. Uh, Let's circle back to Rob Tila. Rob, thoughts on what Jackie and James added to the topic you opened, collaborative consumption. Yeah, I like the point um, Jackie made, um, and, and also, also James uh, around um, you know having having the right. Uh, I think James, James just mentioned the uh, the new generation and and what makes them tick. So I just give you an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you bought a Tesla, and it would just have a regular combustion engine, would you pay hundred and ten thousand dollars for the same car, same outside, same interior? same suspension, same seats, would you pay $110,000? I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. But it's really around the people who are embracing this new trend. They are embracing 
things like solar, they, they want to be sometimes a little bit geeky, so they, they want to have the latest technology. They like to upgrade their house with Nest thermostat and, 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 and smart technologies. Um, and this is really, as I said earlier, it, it, it's a trend that's, that's here to stay. And, and the question then is, What's the business model? To Jackie's point, how do I leverage technology to make it work, to, to broker um, the information, to sell new services? Do, do I help uh, connect and build a con- community so I can ask others who've done it before what best practices are so I can sell maybe my energy peer-to-peer to someone else or to a completely different utility and I can broker that and, and I, I become a com- completely different constituent in, in this new community. So I think it's really more around um, thinking in, in communities and, and empowering technologies, digital technologies that make it actually work. And it's not only around the generation itself. Think about any business process a utility has today. Think about customer service. Today, if we have a problem, we call the call center. So what mm-hmm. if customers would run support themselves? What if, they, if there would be a support community where one person can help the other, where you would have electricians and other people say, hey, I can help you with this. Um, it's, it's, I, I kind of want to put up some, some more disruptive ideas, uh, maybe, um, how, how, you, how you could sort of get out of the way and let customers run the business, the generation, uh, customer service, they can share um, and, and utilities are running sort of the community, but not necessarily the assets and not necessarily the people, um, but they, they're kind of uh, moderating this new business model. Interesting, very interesting, and I think that's a great segue for where I want to go looking at the notes Jackie Robinson sent me before the show. Uh, Jackie, let me just make a couple points. You say, as we make the transition to a prosumer economy, it will be a messy, uncomfortable transition for utilities. Growing pains will happen. As you mentioned before, the systems, regulatory models, and even organizational structures are not set up for this partnership where the customers become the business partners. Now, let me go to some statistics here, Jackie. You say, over the past five years, net energy, that's the energy fed into the grid by consumers, has grown on average 500% a year, while net utility generation grew at 1.2%. Can you do the math for me and explain what this all means, Jackie, please? Yeah, so in again, 500% increase. So, you know, it's always a joke when it's so little, 500% isn't overall still that much, but you can see the kind of rate of change that's happening. So even if it just started at 1%, it's you know, I don't can't do I can't do a public math, so I don't know what that would be, but it's it's just growing and you can see that more people are jumping in. But so, yeah, when I was doing a little of the research, what is interesting is not only is it you know, hard for the our, the utilities themselves. We've just recently moved from maybe five, ten years from having ratepayers or you know the people at the end of the meters to actually embracing these folks as customers and being more consumer focused. And so now we'll have to move from you know having customers to having business partners. And so that's a, a huge change. And the other thing that um, I found was really interesting is, you know, how does this work into the regulatory model that we have? So right now, we're reimbursed um, for any new generation that we that we um, 
that we have to do. So if DTE has to build a new plant because we've had an increase in um, in energy usage in our area, that gets built or factored into the rate structure that we have. So we may need to raise rates in order to, to build those structures. Well, you know, what happens when all of a sudden we have consumers that are generating the, the um, power and feeding it back into the grid? How does that kind of work, you know, with our government agencies? How do they factor that into any of our rate structure? I thought that was kind of an interesting, uh, we're completely unready for that, um, as far as I could see from my research. And I thought that was kind of an interesting point to see, like, where are we going to go there? Very interesting. And Jackie, before I bring James and Rob into this part of the conversation, I'd like to talk about two other points you sent me. Say one in the month of May, I assume that's 2016, solar exceeded coal generation in the UK where it's not so sunny. And in Australia, one out of seven households now have solar panels on the roof, the highest global penetration per capita and rapidly growing. Uh, So is there a groundswell in terms of people understanding new ways to consume and produce energy yeah and i and i don't know if um robert or james can can input you know, have some more input on this because i i didn't have um all of the research i would have liked but my um my the research that i did it's really changes in the way the government has um has has uh applied you know some of the different uh regulations or things on companies there too. So, so meaning that there's much more of an incentive to move to alternative, um, alternative energy sources, and it's making it much more um, financially you know, able for people to do that. Thank you. James McClellan, please join us. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I've just been holding back after Rob had started off, but Jackie has, has hit one of the key nails on the head that, uh, you know, an example was back in the summertime, uh, renewable energy by personal and commercial development exceeded the demand in in Germany. Um, you know, so the power companies were actually working at a negative at a negative profit uh, because nobody needed energy from them. Yet they were still producing it. Uh, why are some countries, as Jackie has already uh, you know, described, Australia, uh, parts of Europe? You know, we take a look at Germany. Uh, why, why are they much more progressive than what we have here in most of the U.S. or North America? And I think it's twofold. One, battery capacity. So, you know, the storage of power is, is you know, one of the big secret sauces on this when we can finally crack that nut. But going into solar or originally uh, transitioning over into making our own power was quite cost prohibitive for an awful lot mm. of places, but those costs are starting to come down. And the utilities are actually getting into the market of helping to bundle financing along with the selling of these products. So I think you're going to see this start moving faster and faster and faster. And then back to the generation issues that we spoke mm-hmm. of, the, the upcoming generation is a very you know, clean, conscious, environmental-type generation. So I think the demand from the consumer is pushing an awful lot of this as well. Interesting. Rob Tila, Open Text. Join us. Thoughts, please? Yeah, I think uh, the the politics need to uh, play into this, and uh, there are a lot of infrastructure considerations. So we need more uh, grid in- interconnectivity. So if we have more wind, more more sun in in one area, and consumption goes up, we need to have mechanisms to distribute it. 
we need to have uh, storage, um, as, as James mentioned. So it's really requiring uh, a big picture view uh, beyond the individual utility and, and this uh, customer partner uh, partnership or relationship. And, and that's really where politics come, come into play because um, there need to be investments. It needs to be funded. And um, it's absolutely crucial uh, to make these things work. And um, James just mentioned uh, other countries like Germany, for example. They had a very strong push and initiative from the government to enable this type of underlying infrastructure that, that is actually making um, this decentralized power generation possible and, and a, viable, um, a viable source, um, a viable model. Thank you, yeah, Jackie. I, I don't I'm think that go it's, ahead. you know, ahead, all going to be on government or politics because I'm starting to see many communities uh, being built uh, that are private communities, but they're already creating their own little miniature uh, solar fields to power the, the community. So in many cases as well, they're, they're starting to trying to force the hand. Uh, you know, we hear the term smart cities, and uh, uh, so you're starting to see a lot of the citizens or the communities uh, you know, jumping into this, not waiting for politics. Very interesting point. Um, Jackie, you started this part of the conversation. Anything you want to say to wrap it up? I want to go to some notes from James next. Uh, I just agree with both uh, Rob and Jim's point. There is definitely a new generation that's going to cause this to be more rapidly accelerated um, as they become the, you know, head of households and, uh, have the funding in order to make more of this happen. But it has to come from both ways. It has to come from more government um, mandates. And, I mean, let's face it, utilities are very uh, linked to government entities. So um, so government mandates and the ground swelling of our, our greener children. Thank you very much, greener children. I, I like that. <laughs> it's interesting, interesting part of the rainbow. Okay, yeah. James McClellan, let's talk about the status or the stature or the issues with the current electric grids. You say electric grids everywhere are under stress. Our increasing demand for energy is one thing. Our appetite for energy is only going to rise. Weather events are becoming more severe. Yes, 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 in the U.S. alone, and there were harsh realities. So how does renewable energy? How does this prosumer back and forth interdependency, how is that going to help with the current state of the grid? Is it going to give enough investment back into into the current grid to help it get updated? What has to happen so that we have the power to share back and forth? Yeah, so, you know, this thing is pretty well twofold. So we keep speaking about the increase in, in demand that's coming down the pipe, but yet we're also speaking Everybody wants to be more energy efficient. Well, the more that we have electric vehicles, the more that we have any of these type of devices that require electricity, whether it's charging a mobile phone, whatever, um, you're always going to, you can be efficient and when you draw that power, but it still increases the demand. And as population increases, everything accelerates. And the grid is basically, you know, at the point that, uh, uh, it can't really take much more. It's a very fragile unit, and that's our delivery unit. So as we go with distributed energy, uh, this can help out, you know, delay having to upgrade the grid. Having a two-way flow of electricity, uh, you know, we're going to have to make changes onto the grid as well. But this is going to take time, and it's going to take money. 
So the more that we get into this distributed or renewable energy that I can produce for myself, whether it be for my community, whether it be my business, whether it be my personal home, uh, this just assists the utility in the long term uh, to be able to delay uh, how quickly they need to to upgrade a a grid. Mm. What's the cost of updating a grid, James? Can you put it in some terms that the listeners will say, OMG, seriously, so they understand the gravity of this? Yeah, consider a number with at least uh, at least 9 to 12 zeros behind it. Okay, I'm not going to put that down. Take too, take too much of the tweet. Very powerful number. Rob Tila, thoughts about the stress on the current grid? What's happening in your world? What do you see? Well, I, I see that actually going up uh, significantly. So there is a very serious debate right now in Germany, country I was born in. I'm a car guy, and it's all about cars in Germany. And, and they, they seriously debate um, only having electric cars uh, in 2030, uh, in, t- in terms of new, uh, new cars they sell, 2030. And uh, in order to get there, of course, car makers would need to dramatically change their fleets. So it's not that you you kind of flip a switch in 2030 and then uh, you're done, but it it really means a huge new new portfolio, and we already see that coming up from Volkswagen, BMW, Mercedes, etc., completely designed electric vehicles. And, And what does that mean? It means our current infrastructure with gas stations, etc., will become more and more, uh, I wouldn't say completely obsolete, but, but definitely uh, less emphasis on it. And, and instead, everything is going through the grid. And today, we get a tax credit uh, when we buy an electric car, at least you know, here in, in the U.S., seven seven and a half $7,500, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe there will be a surcharge in the future to, to invest in uh, standby capacities and transmission and distribution. Mm. Jackie, thoughts? Very interesting. I didn't know that mm-hmm. that uh, Germany was moving to electric cars like that. And um, like Rob, I'm a car girl myself, and I had the opportunity to drive a Volt, and it was the saddest test drive I've ever had. So. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why? Tell us. Oh, they're just dogs. The car, the electric cars, and then you're constantly looking at this little meter to make sure you're in the green zone. So it's no fun to put your foot down to the floor and you know to make uh, make some time. Why bother? So, Why bother? So, <laughs> so that is fascinating. I didn't know that, but I guess I just wanted to add on to to James's point. And you asked about how much does it cost to upgrade the infrastructure, which is something that the whole industry is facing. It's not only just not only just upgrading the infrastructure, which needs it. And in here in Detroit, we've had some uh, significant uh, issues around that. But it's also making sure it's secure too. So in the the the, the era of terrorist attacks and things like that, we've got to make sure it's not only we, we have to be a little bit more serious about how we're securing our infrastructure as well. So there's significant investment there, and it's at the same time. I guess it, maybe it's just the growing pains of a country, but it's the same time that. You know, we're going to governments looking for money to upgrade our infrastructure. And, of course, you know, who's going to pay for it? It's basically consumers. But at the same time, you know, our infrastructure for our water systems are disintegrating a little bit. And our roads and, you know, the infrastructure for the, the uh, 
you know, the kind of things that power society all are needing to be upgraded about the same time. So it's going to be an interesting kind of tug of war as to who ends up with the funding to actually do some of those um, upgrades and reinforcements of our infrastructure. And unfortunately, you know, most, if not all, of that funding comes from consumers. So it's an mm-hmm. interesting time. So anything the utility industry can do to take some some uh, weight off that infrastructure is going to be, you know, met in a very positive way. Thank you. Yeah, hit me now, hit me now, and hit my pocketbook again and again and again. Please don't. Please stop. Okay, enough. Enough from a consumer. So let's talk about it's time for the crystal ball predictions. I think Jackie was already looking forward, and some of the statistics we've had from the other panelists were, but officially we are in the crystal ball now. So, Rob Tila, I'm going to give you a whole big whopping 60 seconds. Look ahead maybe between 2020 and 2025 or however far out you can see what will change about this conversation conversation about new energy era prosumers, the utility customer partnership. Rob, please go. Yeah, so um, I actually already saw uh, a lot of renewal in terms of uh, technical infrastructure on the utility side. A lot of projects going on today already to uh, bring in sort of the foundation to have uh, better ways to interact with customers. And to our earlier point in the conversation, um, to really interact, engage um, customers in a different way, be more flexible in terms of new models. So I think um, if, if you kind of fast forward, a lot of these uh, enabling infrastructures will be actually at work. I see utilities changing. Um, some will become pure digital players uh, and completely mm-hmm. change their models. Some will uh, enter completely new services models and uh, potentially also consolidation more on the uh, generation and uh, T&D side because otherwise it, it will be impossible for smaller ones uh, or ones who are not partnering up to really sustain and, and, and uh, make the investments that we discussed earlier. Thank you very much, Rob. And now Jackie Robinson at DTE Energy. 60 seconds, Jackie. What do you see coming ahead? Pick the time in the future, please. Hmm, maybe 10 years. I'm not sure how okay. far in the future. Uh, but we are. We will see um, the move to prosumer. And whether it's the utility industry or I'm not sure if it was Robert James mentioned, somebody will fill this space. So it's a matter of if the utility industry moves or if, you know, private companies move and fill the space. But somebody will fill the space for alternative energy sources and the rise of the prosumer. So I'm hoping it's the utility industry because it would be a good way to shake up our model. Thank you very much, Jackie. And James McClelland, I saved 60 seconds for Well, actually, you can have 90 seconds because they were so concise. James, go ahead. Knock yourself out. Well, I'll start. Since everybody was using an analogy around cars, I, I had a, a funny little article that they held an electric car uh, oval race and the audience didn't like it because they couldn't hear the engines. So it was just interesting to see where electric vehicles are going. But uh, <laughs> as far as the future goes, uh, I, I agree actually with Jackie. Uh, Jackie actually took the, one of the key points out. There is going to be a backfill in this. I think that there is, uh, there's a huge opportunity, and if utilities don't jump on it, now we're back to something. Don't disturb the enemy if they're doing something wrong. If the utility doesn't make the move, to start managing these type of communities, to start offering these type of 
renewable and distributed generations, you're going to see somebody come up, and it's a great opportunity for new new opportunists coming into this field, much the same way as we saw Airbnb. I just saw a commercial on TV this morning for Flubert, somebody to come out and give you flu shots. Uh, (laughs) There is somebody that's going to come out into this space, and I think that's going to be the next big deal, and I think it's going to be in less than 10 years. What Fluber? Seriously, they come to your house? That's it. Wow, very, very interesting. By the way, I just want to say my mom lives in a uh, a three tower, very multifamily, eighteen hundred families, um, kind of an upscale apartment complex near me, and they've had a generator for years. So whenever power goes out anywhere else in the area, they always they don't know the difference. They've got their elevators, they've got their lights, they've got their heat and air conditioning, but apparently they send power back to the grid from their ener- from their generator at times. That was the first I ever heard of. It's called a luxury co op community there. We'll just leave it nameless. So I want to thank my three panelists. Wonderful conversation. Thank you for joining me again. Rob Tila at Open Text, Jackie Robinson at DTE Energy, James McClelland at SAP Utilities. James, I think you have assembled a marvelous panel that could do this again and again. No comment after that, but you and I will talk. So thank you for joining us on Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. Very interesting topic today. I enjoyed it. I learned a lot. And here's my call to action. You know what it is. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Shout out and thank you to Michael, our engineer at World Talk Radio. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.